This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Nahmedu, Nastain, Nastakfiru, Nukminu Bihi, Munatu Wakru Alay. Munudmila, Minshuri, and Fusina, Messiah, Imahnal, Miyahdila, Fala, Mudilla, Faman, Lad, the Shadow, La, Ilah, Illallah, Wahdu, La, Sharikala, the Shadow, Anna, Mohammed, and Abdu, or Sulu, Amabad. Brothers and sisters, I greet you in the best way we know how. Assalamu alaikum. I want to first thank all of you for coming to this camp. And I don't know what impacted upon you to make you make that decision to come. But I pray to Allah that He blesses you. I want to see by the raise of your hand those who came on the bus from Florida. Raise your hand. A special... You can put them down now. A special recognition for you because what I heard that you took a bus for 22 hours to get here. Is that true? And I heard that you're leaving tonight. Is that true? May Allah bless you. Every one of you who came from Florida on that bus for 22 hours, may Allah make that be your way to Jannah, inshallah. I heard some of you came from Canada. Is that true? Where's my lone star from Canada? Toronto. Where is he? Where is he? May Allah bless you. Albany. Delaware, New York City, Washington, Baltimore, Virginia, and the others. I said Maryland. Wherever you came from, whatever part of the country you came from, may Allah bless all of you and let it be a road to Jannah, inshallah. I got some good news for you. Are you ready for some good news? 
I'm going to give you a short, 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 short talk tonight. You know, brothers and sisters, there are a few things now that shock me, and we have become so immune to violence. Every day we read newspapers about hundreds of thousands of people being slaughtered in Africa, and few things shock me. But I must confess tonight that a few days ago in New York City I picked up a newspaper article I read a few words and I was so overcome that I started to cry I had to close the newspaper and I couldn't read further I read about a young woman, I think 22, 23 years old, living in the Bronx. And she had three children. She dressed her children up in her finest clothing. She went to the 14th floor. And one by one, she threw her children off the roof. How many heard about it? And the last baby, about two years old, she threw the baby off the roof and then she dived off the roof herself. And because of the weight of the mother, she actually landed before the baby landed and the baby landed on her and then fell on the grass. And now they expect the baby to live. The reason that I mention that is that this young woman decided to make a choice that would impact upon her not only the rest of her life, the life of her children, but Allah knows best for all eternity. Abdul Malik, I heard him once say about suicide, and brothers and sisters, one of the leading causes of death among youngsters is suicide. In this country, over 30,000 people a year die taking their own lives. And that's not to mention over 400,000 people that attempt to kill themselves every year in this country. But I heard Abdul Malik once say, he said suicide is a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Brothers and sisters, I don't care how bad things get. Don't you ever, ever attempt to take your own life. If the doctor tell you, I'm sorry to tell you, you have AIDS and you have one week to live, say Allahu Akbar and you live your life, if they say you have cancer, whatever the doctor tell you, 
Say what Prophet Muhammad said, peace and blessings be upon him, when he said, Never does Allah send a disease, but He also sends a cure. Never, ever lose hope. Two incidents has happened in the last week. One, this woman. And the other one, a young man and a young woman, 18 years old. How many of you are 18 years old? Raise your hand. Your age, a young man named Brian Peterson and a young girl named Amy Grossberg, boyfriend and girlfriend, a year ago they made a decision and they decided to sleep together. Amy became pregnant and they hid the pregnancy from their parents. She carried the baby and mother never knew. Sometimes young girls do things and mother, she doesn't know. Dad doesn't know. And she hid the pregnancy. They were in high school. And then this year they went away as freshmen to college. Last week, they went to a cheap motel in Delaware. And there, Amy Grossberg delivered the baby. Nine, month, nine months full delivery of a baby. According to what the autopsy reports revealed, that somebody damaged the skull of the baby, the baby died, and they threw the baby in a dumpster. How many heard about that? The reason that I mentioned these two cases of the young mother who threw her babies off the roof and young Brian and Amy is because they made a crucial decision. And tonight, for the next few moments, every one of you sitting here, from Hudra to Anissa, to Abdul Malik and the rest of us I'm going to ask you to make a decision every once in a while if you drive a car you reach a point where you reach a crossroads there are major directions to go which way to go there's a fork in the road and you have to make a decision to go right, to go left, to go forward, to go back, to make a U-turn. Tonight, I came to this area. Hager's. Hager's town. Hager. To hope that everyone here tonight will make a decision. 1969... I was 19 years old, so now you figure out how old I am. And I decided, as a young teenager, to join a movement that was called the Nation of Islam. You heard about the group. I was a Christian, and the reason that I was a Christian is that my mother 
was a Christian and my mother made me go to church. My mother made my brother go to church. And I was a Christian, a Baptist, because my mother was a Baptist and my mother made me go to church. You're not Christians. You're Muslims. Do you go to the masjid because your mother and father make you go to the masjid? Did you go to this camp because your mother and father made you to go to camp? Or did you go to the camp because you decided that you wanted to go? Tonight I'm going to ask you to make a decision. You're at a crossroads. Before I proceed, let me pause and ask you a question. Hodge, I want to talk straight with the youth tonight. Maybe they can't take it. Maybe it's too much. If you would rather for me to give a nice, soothing sermon on how to make wudu, I can do that. Or I can talk straight with you. Which would you prefer? In talking straight, I may say some things that may hurt your feelings. Do you mind? You still want me to talk straight? Brothers and sisters, there is nobody in this auditorium tonight that's perfect. Let us first agree to that. From the speaker, from the counselors, organizers, none of them are perfect, none of them are straight. Your parents are not perfect, your parents make mistakes, your parents commit sin. Let us admit that. But tonight, I want you to make a decision. I made a decision at the age of 19 that I wanted to join the nation, so-called nation of Islam, and I wanted to practice that religion, different from the religion of my mother and father. So me joining that movement had nothing to do with my mother and father. Hudra's a Muslim. She said, why am I, why, why is he doing that to me? I know. But she's a Muslim because her mother and father are Muslim. Nisa, Muslim because mother and father Muslim. And when the father and the mother was in the church, they grabbed the children and took them to church. Is that right, Hodge? Wherever the mother and fathers were, that's where they took their children. Everywhere the mother and father went, they took their children because they believed that that was the right way. But somewhere along the line, Hodge decided to become Muslim. Somewhere along the line, your mother and father decided to become Muslim and they grabbed you. And all of a sudden now, they started dressing you. You ever notice, mothers know this. How many mothers in the audience? You ever notice mothers? Mothers are different from dads. She begins to dress the children. And she dresses the child and says, oh, isn't that nice? And she puts these clothing on the children, but something happens. The child starts growing up. And then the mother puts an outfit on the child, and the child says, no, no, I, I, I don't want that one. I don't like that. I don't want to dress like that. Well, when you were growing up, your mother said, put on the khimar. And you put on the khimar because you wanted to obey your mother. 
Your mother said this is the way Muslims are supposed to dress and you started dressing that way. Your father decided to take you to the masjid and you went to the masjid because your father said you should go to the masjid. Your mother said you should go to the masjid. But somewhere along the line you had to make a decision. And no matter how much your mother and father said to you, sooner or later you went away by yourself you went to school, you went to high school, you went to college, and you started dressing the way you wanted to dress, and you started acting the way you wanted to act. So tonight, I want you to make a decision in my conclusion. And this is the decision I want you to make. In your life, brothers and sisters, you will make some very crucial decisions. One of the most crucial decisions that you will ever make in your life, and I pray to Allah that you take your time and make the right decision, is whom you're going to marry. Major decision. And you make sure that when you marry that woman, that is not a woman that's just pretty on the outside, but you make sure that you marry a woman that's beautiful on the inside. You're going to make a decision soon to marry. One of the most major decisions in your life, but that's not the most major decision. Some of you now are in college. Last year you decided to go to this college and that college. That's a major decision. Some of you just graduated from college and you're going to make a decision. What job to take and to go into the workforce. That's a major decision. Some of you would even decide to move away from your home and live in another state, away from your mother and father. That's another major decision that you're going to make. But that's not the most important decision. The decision that I'm going to ask you to make tonight is number one, the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. And that is the decision to, in fact, be Muslim. You say, no, Imam, I'm already Muslim. Are you really? I have a challenge for you. All your parents, I want you to just kind of close your, your ears for a second. I'm just talking to the youth. Don't worry, they can't hear me. I want you to play a trick on your parents on Monday. This is the trick. I want you to be the first one to wake up for Fajr. And go in your parents' room and nudge them and say, Dad, it's time for Fajr. Mom, it's time for Fajr. Most homes that I know, it's the parents that wake the children up for Salat. Most homes. There's exceptions. I would love to see this group leave this camp and go home and decide I want to be Muslim on my own. Whatever my mother and father, whatever their religion is, I want to be Muslim. And go home Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and be the first for Salatul Fajr. I leave you with these words. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Kulukum dolun illa man hadaytuhu fastaduni ahdikum 
Every one of you are misguided unless I guide you. Therefore, ask my guidance, Allah says, and I will guide you. Brothers and sisters, I leave you with this. The Prophet once gave an analogy. Think about it, and then we conclude. He compared the Muslims with the disbelievers. And he said the Muslims in comparison to the disbelievers is like a black hair on a white ox. Or a white hair on a black ox. And you know what that means? That means that there's a distinction between a Muslim and a non-Muslim, isn't there? And every decision that you make, believe me, if you make that one decision that I want to be Muslim, I didn't say make the decision to say that I'm Muslim, but make the decision that I want to be Muslim. The moment you make that decision, then every other decision you make will be based upon that decision. If you take a road and you go right on that road, then you're going to run into a lot of little roads on that road. Little decisions. For instance, I spoke to a young sister in her 20s the other day, a Muslim sister. And she says, Imam Suraj, I, a couple years ago, I was in a um, abortion clinic. And I met another Muslim sister there. And you know what I found out? Any imam will tell you that whatever problems we're having in the dunya, we're having the same problems in the Muslim community. How many of you know a Muslim girl who has had a baby without being married? Raise your hand. Look, raise your hand. Hi. How many of you know Put them down, put them down, put them down. How many, put, a hand, put your hand down. How many of you know a Muslim brother or sister who's on drugs? Raise your hand. Put your hands down. How many of you know a Muslim who have AIDS? Raise your hand. Look around. Why is it that everything that happens in the dunya is also happening in the masjid? How many of you know a Muslim who used to practice and no longer practices Islam? Raise your hand. Next year, at the camp, will somebody be raising their hand talking about you? Next year at the camp, when they ask how many young Muslim sisters got pregnant, will they be talking about you? Next year at the camp, when they ask the question, how many Muslim brothers on drugs, how many Muslim brothers in prison, will they be talking about you? 
So brothers and sisters tonight, I simply want to ask you to make a decision that you want to be Muslim. And you know what that means? It means that you must be like a black hare on a white ox. You know what that means? You, brothers and sisters, as a Muslim, are supposed to be different. And you know what? You begin to start to look different. You dress differently. You talk differently. But what if you talk like everybody else? What if you dress like everybody else? What if you act like everybody else? That's what makes you Muslim. And you know, I'm not talking about nothing superficial. I was in South Africa, you know. And um, I was in the city called Johannesburg. And they had a brother from um, Bosnia, uh, a qadi, a sheikh, alam. And you know what? They wouldn't let him give the Juma khutbah. You know why? Because his beard wasn't long enough. Did it occur to them that just maybe he couldn't grow a beard higher or longer than what he had? I don't mean superficial things. You know why? Because a hypocrite can have a long beard and they can have a turban and a hypocrite can wear kimar and a hypocrite can wear a niqab and she can cover her face. Hypocrites can do that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a difference in attitude and a difference in character. I close with this. You, my sisters, on the college campus, and you, my brothers, soon, if they didn't do it already, a young man going to come to you, you know, bub and slick. Remember? Salaikum salam, sister. Did you meet him yet? Tell... Tell me about this Islam. Did you meet them yet? They're going to rap to you. They're going to rap to you. And you too, brother. She's going to come to you. Looking nice, sweet. She's going to talk to you. And you have to make a decision. You know what? Guess what? And when you're on the college campus, your mother and father is not there. You got all your freedom. Nobody's there watching you except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what are you going to do? You there. Somebody going to say, listen, man, I got some drugs. I got some reefer. You don't have to inhale it. You can be like the president. And you know what? Maybe you can get away with it. Maybe your mother and father will never find out about it. But if your Islam is to the extent of what your mother and father is going to find out about it, you might as well give it up right now. Tonight, I want you to make a decision. And that decision is that I want to be Muslim. Yes, you're going to make mistakes, yes. But the key brothers and sisters is turn to Allah and ask him to help you. Decisions. And if you make that decision tonight to be Muslim, then every decision you make, whether it's going to a party or going out, 
No matter wherever you go, you know that Allah will be with you and Allah will watch you. May Allah, the Almighty, bless all of you to get something from this camp. That 22-hour drive back to Miami or Florida, wherever you're going, I want you to reflect on everything that you've heard today, yesterday, and since this camp began. I want also all of you to make dua for the organizers. Also, I want you to make dua for Hajj Malik, and I'll tell you why. This brother, and I don't say this to break his back, he not only got his own children to come from New York, got a bus, but got others involved. He made announcements. And this brother has shown his commitment for the youth. Make dua for them, and then make dua for your parents. And you know what? You have a lot of criticism for your parents, and I know. But make dua because they try to do the best for you by introducing you to Islam. So may Allah the Almighty help you and struggle and stay on this deen. And I pray to Allah, tonight he help you make the decision to be Muslim for yourself on your own. Ameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Now brothers, brothers and sisters, actually, Actually, I made it a little longer than I intended. I didn't mean to go that long. But what I'm going to do, I need 10 minutes of your time because uh, me and the brothers, we got a basketball game in a minute. I got, we got to talk on the basketball court in a minute. I want, just for 10 minutes, how many have a question or a statement to make? Raise your hand. Hold up, brothers. Hold up. How many of you have a question or a statement to make? Raise your hand. One, two, three. Okay. Um, I was wondering that they say that if a Muslim dies before he has time to do Hajj, another Muslim can go in his place. I was wondering how does that work? Like, if they they get forgiven right away when? Do you understand my question? Yes. She asked, I, I repeat it. Where do these people come from? What? Yeah. Uh, she asked the question. She heard that if a Muslim dies before they make Hajj, she heard that someone can make it up for her, for them. Is that true? Yes, it is true. It's in Bukhari Hadith, uh, volume number three, under the Kitab al Hajj, under the chapter of Hajj. Allah the Almighty says in Al-Quran Hajj is a duty owned to Allah by man whoever has the ability to do it if you don't have the ability to do it and you die beforehand someone can make a Hajj for you yes they can inshallah they can I just wanted to say something to um, the brothers and the sisters that um, recently in the last I think Four months ago, um, like all the incidents that um, he has been talking about, come close to heart. Uh, are, are, yeah. Um, okay. Sure. Okay. All right. Recently, in the last four months, uh, a brother had passed away. I believe. I think it was from his own choice. Because he was coming, there was a big Muslim student association 
party and um, coming home from the party, some people asked him if he wanted to have a race. He decided to have the race. He had three other um, of his close friends, of my close friends, in the cars with him. They were going down the last curve from the exit, the last exit off of the highway, almost close to home. He was speeding probably over 100 in his little new sports car. It fishtailed his, on the driver's side. His window was open. Can you just imagine what happened? He died. He injured three others in his car. He affected many, many people. 300 people attended his funeral. He was 19 years old. He went to George Mason University. He was going to start on a new job. He had two other brothers and a little sister. And he, just from one mistake, ended his life. It could have ended so many others. And it affected so many people just because of the choice that he made. I just really want to say this to you all. Please, think before you do something. I mean, I'm not the best person in the world, probably not the most Islamic and everything. But, I mean, think before you make your choices. All of that he worked for is gone. It still affects me. It's four months later. It still affects me. It still affects his family. It still affects everybody. Because it comes close to heart. It hits close to home. And brothers and sisters, that's what we're talking about. Honestly, decisions, be careful. The two people that I mentioned earlier, this guy Brian and the woman, do you know that right now they're facing death penalty? They're in jail right now because of the decision that they made. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, my question is, how should brothers, uh, Muslim brothers and sisters relate on college campuses and other places where uh, it, you're predominantly around non-Muslims, um, particularly in terms of uh, non-Muslims coming on to Muslims, if you understand my question? Yes. Brothers and sisters, no matter what you do, what, no matter what you do, see, the key, really the key is, is your relationship with Allah. If you love Allah, wherever you are, on the college campus, in the street, in the masjid, it's all going to be the same. In the home, it's all going to be the same. You're going to do the right thing because you have fear of Allah. Allah is there wherever you are. If you're on the college campus, if you're speaking to a Muslim brother and sister, you have the proper adab. Assalamu alaikum, wa alaikum salam. You talk the business and nothing extra more than that, inshallah, if you really fear Allah the Almighty. Well, um... Um, me and my friends were like ca talking one night and it was like about um, Allah and I mean we know Allah is really you know there is an Allah but we just like wonder you know I, I know everyone has a thought like how did Allah you know what was before Allah you know like what's they have these they do have these questions there are they might seem strange but they are really good interesting questions and I don't know um, they're like it's like so hard to explain. I mean, you have these thoughts and you can't even come out with what you're feeling, you know? When we were talking about Allah and 
and about these, like, you know, just about God, I felt like, like there was all these angels in the room, and it was just a strong feeling I had, and it felt so good. And I just want to know, like, what was before, you know? <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Um, brothers and sisters, wherever I go, I always like to recite the ayah from Quran, Walahul Asma'ul Husna. And he, Allah, has the most beautiful names. And Allah is everlasting. He's awwal. Awwal. He's the first. There was no one before Allah. Allah was forever. Ever. Go back a trillion years, Allah was there. Go back ten trillion, Allah was there. However far you go back, keep going back, Allah was there. Allah was there forever. In fact, sister, the same question you asked, the prophet said people would ask that question. They said, well, Allah created this. Allah created the sun. Well, who created Allah? No, Allah is here forever. Allah is Allah, the creator. Yes. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. I don't have a question. I just have a comment. I just want to say, alhamdulillah, that this brother was able to speak on a lot of things. According to us, I mean, you know, we're teenagers and we go through a lot, you know. Um, to be honest, you know, we go through, you know, the girls looking at the boys, the boys looking at the girls because, you know, we're curious and everything. And there's just a lot of things go through your head and you know what's right, you know what's wrong. But sometimes you feel more compelled to do what your desires are instead of doing what's right. And there are times where I need to be reminded. And that's why it's, that's why we have the men at camp. You know, there's no other place like this. You know, we see each other maybe twice or three times in the year. And we need this to strengthen us. Because Allah knows that I am that perfect. You know? This is why minna is important. So we can be together as Muslims. To love each other and to let each other know that it's okay. We're not going to get that from the Kafirs. They're going to do everything in their power to make us go the direction that they're in. So, you know, please don't take what he's saying for granted. You know, you have to think about it and take it in your heart. Think about, you know, the things you do and the th- things you don't do. Allah knows the things I do. And Allah knows a lot of things I have to change. I know things that I have to change. You know, so take a look at yourselves. Don't, don't take them for granted. Don't think, oh yeah, it's just a speech or whatever. And when you get back home and you know other Muslims, tell them about Mina. You know, this is our only source of unity, of love, of being together. You know, we don't have that. So inshallah, you know, I'm just telling you, don't take it for granted. Let it touch your heart. You know, I know you guys are boys and you know you like to be macho and everything, but let it touch your heart to the point you have tears in your eyes. I'm serious. You know, we're girls, so, you know, we can cry. But you guys, you know, at least uh, one tear, that's all. Let it touch your heart. Thank you so much. I like that. Thank you so much. I have a question for him. How did you become, uh, how did you hear about Islam? (laughs) How did you hear about Islam? Me. Actually, brothers and sisters, 
Thank you. I um, began to hear about Islam as a college student. I was going to New York University, and they had Muslims on campus. And that's why I say to you, every one of you that's in school, um, please take a moment to share Islam with your classmates, those who know nothing about Islam. Say something to them about it, inshallah. Um, I had a question that, what do you do if you go to your parents at Fajr prayer and you want to wake them up? And that they scream at you and they tell you, go away, leave me alone, I want to sleep. Good question. That's a good question. What if you go home, try to wake your parents up for Fajr, you're going to do that Monday? How many are going to try to do it Monday, by the way? Raise your hand. A light bar. How many brothers are going to try to do it Monday? Please try. Not you, Hajj. Um... What happens if your parents rebel and say, go away? Brothers and sisters, it's okay. I know cases where parents started to practice their deen as a result of their children. So even if they, if they rebel, it's okay. At least you made some kind of effort, inshallah. Assalamualaikum. Alright, um, I was sitting in my uh, art class on uh, Friday, and uh, we were ta- I was talking with uh, two other kids in that class, and we were talking about religion. One was a Hindu, and uh, one was a uh, Christian. And one was saying how she didn't want to be a Christian anymore because she didn't like that religion, she liked their beliefs. So she said she was going to convert to maybe Hinduism, or something like that, or of that like nature. But she really liked the uh, idea about one God... And uh, and that you you get based on your actions, but she said one thing to me, which uh, I was totally caught off guard and couldn't say anything back. She said, "I like a lot of stuff about Islam, except for the way you downsize women." I said, "How so?" She said, "You make them cover, and you men have no, you don't have to cover. You don't have to cover your hair. You don't have to do anything, but the women do." And I didn't know what to say to that. Okay, good. Um, by the way. By the way, we don't make women cover. I mean, think about it. I mean, think about it. A lot of you here now, sisters, you know best. Allah knows and you know. Some of you maybe are wearing hijab now at the camp. And maybe you don't wear hijab home. These women, people have to stop saying that people impose things on Islam. That's why I want you to make a decision for yourself to be Muslim. See, because if you make a decision... These, your parents wear hijab not because someone made them. They wear it because they love Allah. And they desire to please Allah. And that's why they wear it, inshallah. So, I'm saying that they wear it because Allah the Almighty has made a distinction between men and women. These women are very, very beautiful. These guys, they're okay. No, but think about it. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what I mean. Hodge, bear witness to this. Sisters, uh, Abdul Malik, where's Abdul Malik? Abdul Malik, can I tell our secret? Can I tell? I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell. Sisters, know this, know this, and the brothers will bear witness if they're honest. Everything about a woman is attractive to a man, everything. Everything. Listen, 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 listen to me. Sisters, listen to me. 
You ever notice in the Quran where Allah explains to the women not to make their voice too complacent? Sisters, notice the difference between the voice of a woman and the voice of a, of a man. Oh, you oh, oh, you But a woman's voice, sweet, melody, and she has to be very careful. Everything about a woman is different from a man, and it's attractive to a man. Do you know, sisters, women spend billions of dollars going to the hair parlor, to beauty parlor, to fix their hair. Hair is very attractive to a man. When a man sees hair, something happens. <laughs> Telling you. Something happens. So keep it covered. The point I'm making, brothers and sisters, is this. Allah has made different kinds of attraction for men and women. Women are known for... Yes, women are intelligent. Yes, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the beauty, her texture, her softness of her skin, the roughness of the skin of a man, even the walk of a woman, the walk of a man, all of it is different. And she has to be very careful. And she has to cover more because of the way Allah has made her beautiful. A man is only recover, uh, re required to cover from navel to the knees because it's not the same kind of traction. Allah knows best. And that's why women are covered. And you help us actually, sisters, when a woman is covered, you actually help the man to be attractive to something more important than your beauty. And that is to your mind. And let me tell you something. There are a lot of youth think you want sex. And I know sex is real, Hodge. Sex is real. But you know what? No, 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 it's real. But you know what? You can't do it 24 hours a day. You're going to get tired. You're going to get tired. No? No, no, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. What am I saying? After that, then what? After that, then what? Life is more than that, brothers and sisters, believe me. And when you get older, when you get married, you understand, and you begin to appreciate that. That is an aspect of marriage. That's not the only thing of marriage. Now you can go. Assalamu alaikum. Four questions, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. On perhaps a more, well, on a much more solemn note, now that I've had all your attention and all your hearts open, a sister here today at this conference has a sister who had surgery on a brain tumor and is not doing well, unfortunately. And inshallah, I'd like all of you now to read Surah Fatha for her shifa, inshallah. My brothers and sisters, I want all of us to take a moment and I really want you to make dua for this sister. We believe in the power of the dua and let me say this to you. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi And you never go to Jannah until you believe and you never believe until you love one another. Even this sister, I don't know her, I make dua to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that Allah will heal her because Allah is the one that brings healing. So please, Remember her in your du'a, please, inshallah. Hi, 
Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My question may be off the topic, but um, we were having a discussion in a religion class regarding non-Muslims, basically the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians. And it came up that they can never enter paradise because, oh, we came up with the hadith, how the last person, you, I think you told me, the last person who comes out of, he's dark and he comes out of the hellfire and he, Allah says, enter into paradise. And he asked him three times. He says, Allah don't mock me. So he says, enter into paradise. He says, Allah don't mock me. And then he enters him into paradise. Um, so we, is that in reference to... Is that a reference to the non-Muslims as well? Or can, can a non-Muslim enter into paradise? That's an excellent question. Excellent question. The question is basically, really the question is, that she talked about the people of the book, can they go to Jannah, can they go to paradise? It's an excellent question. Um, brothers and sisters, you know, if you read the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah, there's an ayah that says, they say, لَن يَدْخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ إِلَّا مَنْ كَانَ هُدَى النَّسَارَى They say, none can go to paradise unless they're Jew or unless they're Christian. This kind of statement has been said and everybody believes that they're the right ones to go to Jannah. Listen to the Muslims' belief. A Muslim must believe in all the prophets that came before Prophet Muhammad and we believe that all of their followers who followed those prophets will go to Jannah. We believe that. The Prophet said, I just mentioned the hadith, You don't go to Jannah unless you believe. And if you study the Quran, you will find out what was the religion of Adam? Islam. What was the religion of Noah? The religion of David, Dawood, Suleiman, Isa, Musa, Alayhi so all of them are Muslims. Now, what happens after the death of the prophets, people came and called this Christianity and called this Judaism. Inshallah, this is as we believe as Muslims. We have to believe in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I warn you Muslims, how can you say you believe in Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings upon him, as the messenger, and yet you don't follow his teachings, and don't believe in his teachings? So you might call yourself Muslim, as they call themselves Christians and Jews, but please let that be a warning for us, inshallah. These are the last two, and since he had no more. Don't come up. Stay there. Good. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to know, um, <clears throat> um, how are you going to know like, uh, who to marry if you can't? Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. How old are you? Fourteen. Thirteen years old, asking about marriage. He wants to know, how do you know who to marry? Oh, he didn't finish the question yet. Uh, how, how are you gonna know who you gonna who you gonna marry if you don't if you can't um, date or talk with the sisters? Oh, I got you. Excellent. How do you know who you want to marry? Who you can marry if you can't date or talk to the sisters? Very good. Good question. Good question. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Watch this. Watch this. 
How many brothers here, raise your hand, who want to get married? Raise your hand. Sisters, take a look. Take a look. Take. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. I heard what you said. I heard you. I heard you. You say, Imam Suraj, astaghfirullah. How dare you? This is exactly what we're supposed to do. How can we get young Muslim girls and boys to meet? If we don't meet in a good wholesome atmosphere like this, you want to get married? He said, "Yeah." We can. We can meet. Brother, say, Imam Suraj, I want to take Huja for dinner. Can I? Can I take Huja for dinner? I said, "Yeah, you can take Huja for dinner." You, Huja, and me. You, Huja, and me. You, Anissa, and me. You, Sapana, and me. You got the idea? We can meet without the dates that they do in this dunya. It's a bad mistake. Muslim brothers and sisters can meet. They can talk in a wholesome atmosphere. We should do that. Yes, we should do that. And what better place than a place like this, inshallah, in a good Islamic environment? Assalamu alaikum. Okay. I have a question for you. Okay, like what, like what forced you to be a Muslim? I'll repeat it. Shall I repeat it, repeat it again? What forced you to be a Muslim? Oh, what forced me to be a Muslim? Actually, sister, I decided on my own, alhamdulillah, to be Muslim. Because I love this deen, I love this religion, and I love the fact that there are Muslims all over the world, and I've got an opportunity to meet them from Syria, Bosnia, from Africa, from Russia, Turkey, and all over the world, alhamdulillah. But the most beautiful thing is that Allah has blessed us with the last revelation on Quran, and is the book of guidance. And alhamdulillah, I, didn't, I wasn't forced to be Muslim. I was forced to be a Christian. But I decided to become Muslim, inshallah. Brothers and sisters, this is the last question, inshallah. I want to say that you've been very well behaved. I'm very proud of you. And I thought you've been excellent. It's the last question, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Um, my question is about, well, a little bit about, you were asked earlier about Ahlul Kitab. Um, you know, in the Quran, they mention quite a bit Ahlul Kitab and the peop- people of the book and how, you know, like we can mar- marry them and some of them will go to heaven and furthermore. Um, I just want I mean, I've heard different perspectives. Sorry. I heard different perspectives on Ahlul Kitab and I just want to get your point of view. Um, you know, are there any Ahlul Kitab today? You know, like when did that stop? And what exactly does uh, Islam and the Quran mean when they talk about Ahlul Kitab? Uh, brothers and sisters, it's a fitting question, the last question. I think it's actually an excellent question. Because the question becomes Ahli Kitab, the people of the book. According to the Quran, we can eat the food of Ahli Kitab, the people of the book, right? Does that mean we can eat Kentucky Fried Chicken? Can we eat the murder burgers from Burger King? 
Allah allows us to marry the people of the book, does it mean that we can marry this man, this Muslim man can marry any woman who calls herself Christian? There's two opinions. There's two opinions. Some Sahaba hold the opinion that who is worse than committing shirk? And Allah says in Quran, do not marry the people who associate gods with Allah hatta yu'minna, until they believe. Who is worse than committing shirk than to say Jesus is God or Jesus is the Son of God? So according to those Sahaba, they say any Christian that says Jesus is God or the Son of God or say that God is three, the Trinity, then Muslims cannot marry those women even though they call themselves Ahli Kitab. That's the opinion that I follow. The second opinion, some of the Sahaba say that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat that gave the exception of the people of the book to marry, Allah already knew that they had people among the Christians who said what they said about Isa. And they say, according to their opinion, that an exception is made that the Muslim men can marry the people of the book. That's their opinion. And the scholars, they have both opinions, inshallah. I think the closer opinion is that there are some people of the book, Ahli Kitab, they call themselves Unitarians, who don't worship Jesus, who do not say that Jesus is the Son of God, but merely a prophet. These people, I consider Ahli Kitab, that you can in fact marry them. Other than that, personally, according to I understand it, I would have difficulty, and I know people here have different opinions. I understand that. I tried to give you both opinions, inshallah. Sister Anissa, Anissa yes. Wali, guardian. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, There's no marriage without a wali, wali or guardian. We all agree to that. There is hadith that says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala disapproves or frowns upon, I forgot the exact word, of a woman being a wali for herself or another woman. Wali has to be man. It has to be the father. It has to be the grandfather, the uncle, the brother. If an absent of that, the, the, the sultan or the head of the, the, the male, male, wali, yes, has to be male, yes. Oh, yeah. Now, listen, I, I'm not, I didn't pay her. She said, Imam, do you have any tapes? I didn't, did I pay you? Did I ask you to say this? You think, you think, yes? Oh. She said no, she said no. Inshallah, right outside, um, we have audio and videotapes for anyone who may want them, inshallah. Um, thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum.